Hey friends, Derek Wetmore of the Score North Twin Show here with two segments for you today. First, off the top, I jumped on with Judd Zolgad and Danny Cunningham and Manny Hill on Score North Live on Friday on the report from Ken Rosenthal that you can't count the Twins out on the Josh Donaldson sweepstakes. Not yet, at least. And then I sat down for a long conversation with our friend Jake DePew on Donaldson and impact pitching and trades and free agency and, oh yeah, the move the Twins actually made, signing Sergio Romo and Tyler Clippard to bolster that bullpen. Hope you enjoy both parts of the episode, and we'll talk to you on Monday for Royce on Baseball with Patrick Royce. See you then. Reckless speculation. Joining the conversa- conversation now, our buddy Derek Wetmore. You can find his work on the Twins, completely reckless at times, completely uh, not reckless at times. Scorenorth.com. Wetmore, your your observations or your thoughts on where the Twins uh, stand in the Donaldson sweepstakes, and more importantly, my reckless speculation that the more I think about this, if you get Donaldson to play third base, you're not moving Sano to first, you're moving Sano, period. <laughs> uh, well, I like to think that my speculation is pretty well centered most of the time. Reckless. When I'm talking about Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon and Mookie Betts. Reckless speculation. Sorry about that. I, I just but blew I it up. See, I guess I could see a trade, but I don't think that it's impossible for those two to fit in the same lineup together. I think if you put Donaldson at third base, and we're talking a four-year deal here, probably, I'm guessing probably starts at $80 million, wouldn't you think? Yes. And more. slide to know over he plays first base and you replace Adrianzo's bat. The other route would be keep Sano at third base and sign a free agent first baseman. I think the more appealing route would be sign Josh Johnson, don't you? Yes. In a perfect world, sure. Um, and then does signing Josh Donaldson, or do you think that being in this late on Josh Donaldson and being willing to go that high on Josh Donaldson means that they're probably going to be left out in the cold in terms of getting a, a certain front end of the rotation pitcher in free agency? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually don't know if it would eliminate them from it. If you go 20 for, for Donaldson, I still personally think there's ought to be some payroll flexibility there. Um, if Ryu is willing to come to Minnesota, to sign him. Or if uh, Keiko would come to Minnesota. You remember, guys, a couple weeks ago I said my reservation about Dallas Keiko in Minnesota would be he's a ground ball guy, and this infield defense is just a little suspect at times. Well, you add Donaldson to that, and it kind of changes that mix. Um, but, Danny, to your question, I do think if you signed Donaldson, it'd probably be a little more likely you'd go the trade route and get somebody that's a little bit more affordable in terms of dollars. you just got to swallow hard be willing to part with some prospects. But I think the Twins would be willing to do that when the time is right. So they they obviously, obviously would still need to address the rotation. I don't think signing him would cross off either of those paths from their list. I am going to, at the same time, be... Reckless speculation. And responsible, and I'm going to give the Twins a Christmas gift. It's my idea, and it's the best one I've heard today. Oh, of course. Donaldson's... <laughs> Donald, they, no, no, this is a slam dunk. This is a slam dunk. They should be thinking along the, these lines. You sign Donaldson, you pay a lot, all right? I'm willing to accept that. He, he's an upgrade at third base. He can obviously continue to hit home runs for you. And now, realistically, you are not going to go out and sign a top-flight free agent pitcher, right? You're just not going to because you just signed a guy. So we could talk all we want about, go get Ryu now. They ain't going to do it, all right? So that's where you couple and you trade Rosario and Sano to the Rockies in a John Gray trade and get something else back. And Miguel Sano in Colorado would be a, a, a great 
It'd be fun to watch. He'd hit all these home runs, and you, meanwhile, would get your top flight starting pitcher back. Okay, Jed. I love your idea. And I'm not one to say yes, but. I took an improv class once upon a time, and I try to say yes and. However, if I'm the Colorado Rockies and I'm trading somebody like John Gray or Herman Marquez or one of those starting pitchers that I really, really like if I'm the Twins, I'm not doing it for big league players. I'm doing it as an acknowledgement that, hey, the NL West ain't winnable. We're going to reload. We're going to try this thing again in three years. I want prospects if I'm them. I'm not saying your idea doesn't make sense, but I'm saying if you're the Twins, you probably have to engage at the prospect level and not at the hey, these are big leaguers who are two years from free agency level. I, I think Colorado would want to look younger than Miguel Sano and Eddie Rosario. So you're telling me they don't want 50 bombs. They they don't they don't want what basically is the circus coming to town when Miguel Sano is hitting home runs that clear that stadium because he's so strong and the fans yeah. love it. Well, hey, 50 home runs plus however many Rosario is going to hit. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, he's making dumb plays and they're both throwing the ball away and they're falling down, but we don't care about that. Gosh, if they're going to trade Nolan Arenado, they are going to need a third baseman, right? I mean, uh, slugs to know in. What, that, that's not that big of a drop-off at third base, is it? Hey, Wetmore, <laughs> hey, Wetmore here's the key thing. Here's the selling point. In fact, this could be the Rocky slogan if they get Sano and Rosario. A circus at the plate, a gong show in the field. <laughs> are you guys any? Are you reading into it at all that the Rockies might be willing to trade Arenado? And and if you're the Twins, would you be looking at a contract like that for a superstar third baseman in his prime? The thing that worries me about that is you're not guaranteed him past 2021 because he's got that opt out in there. It's the yeah. same thing, as, and we had this conversation a little bit last week. Would you would you rather try and make a deal with the Indians for Lindor or trade for Arenado? And sure, Arenado is technically under contract for six more years. But he's probably going to opt out, especially if, if he comes here and does well. He's opting out after 2021, and that's the concern, I think, with trying to trade with it for a guy like that is you could be giving up more because on paper, oh, he could be here for a long time. But in reality, yeah. he's going to want another payday at the age of 29 or 30 whenever he can opt out. Yeah, that's a great point because it doesn't lock you in certainty long term. It, it is nice. I'd take those two years, absolutely. And then whatever's behind door number two, you see what goes on after that. But you do then lose the, whatever trade capital you gave up and then a potential superstar leaving for nothing. That's that's definitely a risk if you're Minnesota. Um, I, hey, if you're swinging in the Josh Donaldson sweepstakes, you got to be t- thinking about some of these superstars too. There's a ton of different roads that the Twins could take. Uh, Donaldson's going to cost the least in terms of prospects. It's time, Wetmore. It's time. Uh, last thing, your thoughts on the news that came across uh, this morning that the Twins have signed reliever Tyler Clipper to a one-year contract uh, along with bringing back Sergio Romo on a one-year contract with a club option for 2021. Yeah, I'm really familiar with Romo. I, I love the move for the Twins. I think it's a great deal and the potential to keep him around for another or walk away from it after one if it if it doesn't go your way. That's fine. Clippard, um, I'm a little less familiar with. I hadn't dug into his uh, deep stats, but I know he had a good year and is, is kind of that solid veteran reliever. Truth be told, I'm a little surprised the Twins were fishing in that pond. I actually really like their bullpen. Uh, it doesn't have the, the huge name and the upside stuff, but you look at some of the, f- the four at the back end, Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Trevor May, Zach Littell, now Sergio Romo, and Tyler Clippard. That's a pretty good mix. It it frees you up. You can move Bruce Gratterall to being a starter. I don't know how many innings, but he can be a starter now. Um, and 
I also think it's up to us guys, unless this guy signed in the last 30 minutes while I was in the car, Dylan DeTantis is still out there, and he's a bit of a lottery ticket. That's the kind of swing I'd be taking if I was a World Series caliber team, or I, I fancied myself a World Series caliber team. Yep. He missed basically all of 2019, but, boy, when that guy's healthy, he's been electric. And, uh, yeah, I think that a similar deal to the Blake training contract in L.A., where he got one year $10 million is basically a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Heck, I'd do something like that for Dylan Batanzas, and then you got a bullpen that's ready to compete with the big boys in October. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Derek. Thanks for your time, guys. Talk Go to get you. Josh Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, no problem. See ya. Hold on a second. Reckless Speculation. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. All right, welcome back to the Score North AL Central Champs. Hope to defend the crown next year, but got to do something soon. Twins show, I'm Derek Wetmore with a very special guest, Jake DePew on the phone. Jake, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and how are you, Derek? Very good. Um, Thank you. Thank you for asking. It's the holiday season, and I won't make a holiday pun, so that's my gift to you. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Uh, we've been talking for a couple weeks now, it seems like, about the sort of the non-traditional routes that the Twins could possibly take, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. Um, we'll talk a little Josh Donaldson. We'll talk impact pitching. And they also have actually done something um, earlier today. The Twins announced Sergio Romo is going to be back, and Tyler Clippard is joining the fold. So Twins fans looking for that news. We definitely will get to it. 100%. But when Ken Rosenthal links the team that you cover to the bringer of rain, Josh Donaldson, you start the pod with Josh Donaldson. Jake, uh, do you sense that this is a possibility for the Twins? And if so, do you think it's a, it's the path that they should pursue in signing a Donaldson while pitching is still everyone's number one question? I sense that it's a possibility in the same way that everyone who checks Ken Rosenthal's Twitter feed uh, or, or reads his pieces in The Athletic thinks it's a possibility. Sure. Um, I mean, certainly the report was encouraging. It It sounds like he didn't outright say this or write this, but it sounds like it's basically the Nats and Twins who have offered four years uh, to Donaldson. Uh, so they're certainly in the running. They're, they're making a legitimate push. I think Donaldson, I've read, has preferred to stay with the Braves, uh, but it sounds like maybe they're not willing to go four. Um, so I am all in on Josh Donaldson. I think if they could somehow get him to Minnesota, it would be a phenomenal move. It would, uh, upgrade their defense significantly. Uh, it would open the door to acquire ground ball pitchers, whether that's, um, Sandy Alcantara, whether it's signing Dallas Keuchel, it just, it makes their infield defense better. And obviously Donaldson has a huge bat. Um, and that lineup would be, whew, yeah, man. that lineup would be scary good. So, yeah, if they can get Donaldson for four and a hundred, I would be all in on that. I, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I like Donaldson a lot for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Um, and I guess just in the spirit of adding things rather than repeating things, one of the things that I have seen is, uh, well, 
I mean, a four-year deal for a guy he's, what is he, is he 34 or is he going to be 34? Uh, something like that. You, yeah, something like you'd that. You basically yeah. you'd be buying the mid thirties years of a of a former AL MVP who had a good year at uh, thirty three with the Bravos. I get the sense that people think you go from uh, top shelf third baseman to dead in like three years. So getting scared of that third fourth year. Um, trust me, I'm not expecting him to be as good of a player at thirty seven as he was at thirty three. But I also think that if you're starting from a point of high, you know, defensive ability and value, which is being a good third baseman with some range, I, I think you can afford to slip a little bit on your defensive contributions and still have a, a something to give to a team, whether it's a first base or, heck, second base in three years or, or as a DH. Um, I think that there is there is a bit of a softer landing for a guy like that versus, yeah, signing a pitcher at 35 to a five-year deal where you're like, all right, well, I hope his arm makes it through half of this deal and then we'll see. I, I think there's a there's a softer landing for a good defensive third baseman, even into his mid and maybe late 30s. For sure. And I, I tweeted that earlier today. I said it, it might be you know a bargaining chip for the Twins that they can offer him the DH, whereas National League teams can't, that, you know, in two years, you know, the last year or two of, of that deal, he could be a DH. Um, Doogie actually replied and said that he expected the NL to adopt the DH uh, as part of the next CBA. Yeah, that's um, possible. So that's not, yeah, it's possible, but it's certainly, it's, it's not for sure. Uh, so I think, I think that's a path that makes a lot of sense for Donaldson, that he plays third for, for two years, and, and if Sano leaves at some point during that stretch, maybe he moves the first in the latter years and, and, and then eventually to DH. Um, but, but I agree with you. Like, even if his defensive production falls off uh, in two or three years, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't still be a productive player. This is a guy who hit with the Braves. And if you remember, two years ago, he was kind of sort of injury-wrecked season. It didn't go super well for him. Uh, I'm 2018, I'm talking. He played 52 games. Um, and it was sort of like, yeah, this guy's good, but, I mean, is he healthy or is he broken down? He took a one-year deal with the Braves to prove that he's not broken down. He plays 155 games, and I've got his stats in front of me here. 259 with a 379 on base and 521 slugging. He had 37 bombs last year with the Braves. Um, that's a that's a really valuable bat, and as you mentioned, you put it into a lineup that this Twins team is already running out. It's uh, it's scary good. That team's scoring a lot of runs, possibly the most in baseball, if uh, if everything goes to plan for the Twins. So it is. It's not just a f- trading, focusing on a pitcher for a hitter. It's like you're getting a top shelf hitter if he's able to repeat um, that 2019 season. Which who knows? We're always gambling here, but that's a man. That is a mighty big bat to add into the middle somewhere against righties and against lefties. Yeah, I was I was texting with uh, with Phil and another mutual friend of ours who shall remain anonymous. Um, we were just talking about what the lineup would look like against lefties uh, with Donaldson in it. Yeah, uh, I started doing that this start. morning too. Oh yeah, I mean if you if you just run down real quick, it's like you have Garver leading off, and then Polanco, Cruz, Donaldson, Sano. I mean, it just goes on and on, right? I mean, you have Buxton probably at the bottom of the lineup, and then you throw in Kepler and Arise. I mean, it's just there would be no breaks for opposing pitchers against that lineup, righties or lefties. But, boy, would they really mash lefties. Let's, uh, before we get too um, 
fantasy land here because, look, the Twins aren't the only team that should have an interest in signing Josh Donaldson. I think they are one of the strong suitors that not only has the money but also has the sort of uh, roster space for a guy like Donaldson. There are other teams in the mix, and borrowing from that Ken Rosenthal report the other day, he said he believes that the Nats and the Twins are two teams that have shown a willingness to go to four years. Um, The Braves should be on that list. And the Dodgers have been linked with Josh Donaldson. I, I don't know off the top of my head if I'm forgetting any, but those are kind of the four that I have in my mind of, hey, here's a club with financial resources. They could use a power bat at third base with a glove. That's a, that's a pretty difficult field to navigate. Uh, so the Twins are going to possibly run into some competition there is what I'm saying uh, for Josh Donaldson. So I, I guess not a foregone conclusion as we record this Friday afternoon, but... Certainly the fact that the Twins are a finalist is, gosh, it's it's got to be intriguing for Twins fans right now, even though I still think you'd need a pitcher if you got this deal done. Without question. I mean, it, this would be a great addition, obviously, and they would finally land that top-tier free agent that they've been searching for for so long, uh, not just this offseason, but obviously we all know about you know the narrative, whether it's fair or not. Um, but regardless, like you said, even if they get Donaldson, that doesn't, preclude them from I mean they, they have to still get a frontline starting pitcher right like no matter how good that lineup is the rotation is not strong enough as it currently stands to in my mind to take out the likes of the Yankees the Astros etc uh in October yeah so let's uh let's pivot to that and um, I should quickly note that uh, the the Nationals did cry poor a little bit that they weren't going to be able to bring back Rendon and get Steven Strasburg done. Oh, but I, I know, God, poor I guys. Okay. Yeah, that that. Uh, but you know what they say that uh, frugality flags do fly forever. Um, so there is there is that. But I would say I'm looking at their uh, their team page. It's they probably still have another 25, if not 30 million dollars before they hit the luxury tax. So I wouldn't rule them out of uh, Josh Donaldson sweepstakes by any means at all. And then, man, if they brought him back. Just basically swap out Rondon for Donaldson, get Soto another year, uh, bring that pitching staff back intact. Uh, wow, that could uh, that could be a pretty good roster to try and go and repeat as World Series champs. But um, absolutely, and and I think they're still probably the favorites just based on everything I've read. But, interesting. But the Twins are right there, no question. Yep, we'll see. And, and and if they get a starter, they do some more for their odds. So let's talk about that for a, a little bit. Uh, there are a couple guys still out there. There are some trade candidates. Now, whether teams are willing to play ball or not remains to be seen, but I'll just ask you, without going through like a list of names as a preamble, what do you think the Twins are going to do to get an impact pitcher on their roster? I mean, I, I think they're going to have to go the trade route. Like, maybe if they sign... So, so here's the thing. If they sign Donaldson, they probably don't have enough money left to sign Ryu or, or Keiko, right? I mean... If Donaldson's getting $25 million a year, where are they going to find another $20 million to to pay Ryu? You know? Like, so in my mind, signing Donaldson would almost mean by default they would have to trade for, for starters as opposed to sign one of those guys. Uh, maybe you disagree with that, but... Um, I mean, I'd have to see their books, but I... Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that they could probably afford it, but I would... I guess I wonder if they think that's the the prudent thing to do. Maybe they think there is a better route to go, 
but yeah, if you're if you're just asking me, could you spend forty million dollars more in twenty twenty? I I would think that the answer is yes. You could afford it. So basically, what you're saying is the poll ads are cheap. Uh, not what I'm saying. No, no. <laughs> in fact, uh, I won't run that one back. But uh, that's a good drop. We'll save that for later twin shows. In fact, there is uh, an argument to be made that the poll ads, uh, the ownership group would be more. Um, what's the term? Uh, looser with the purse strings than the baseball front office. There's been situations in the past couple of years where they would have greenlit money to go get somebody, and the baseball guy said, eh, I'm not sure that's the right move. I'm not sure that's the move you want. That's not your move. Um, I'm still waiting for what your move is, but I don't think that this is a – I know you know this, but I don't think that's an ownership thing at this point. I, I totally agree, and I, I don't mean to pivot the conversation, but I'm going to pivot the conversation <laughs> for a second. Classic. Do you, do you think so? We're, so you and I know each other well enough. We're, we're both pretty big fans of Salvi and Levine, right? I mean, they've, they've really done it a, a tremendous job overall. Do you think that they've been at times either too conservative in in maybe getting uncomfortable and and you know dealing top prospects or, or giving out big money, um, or maybe just that they put a little bit too much confidence in their own ability to develop pitchers and think that it's just unnecessary to pay for pitching, that they can develop them on their own? Like, Do you feel like they've been a little bit too conservative, uh, maybe at the trade deadline last year would be an example, or, or early in free agency this year, or is that a false narrative? Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that if if you're banking on Jordan B or Brewster Gratterall or somebody like that to be Max Scherzer, you know, that's a that's a long shot bet, even if those guys are great. I mean, I would say the same right. thing of, of Jose Barrios, who I think is great. Like, it's just there aren't too many of those uh, Scherzer types. And so in that way, I don't know that you're going to be able to bank on internal development. Um, flip side, they haven't made a move that sort of shipwrecks them at this point. And they have been pretty good about developing, you know, uh, Gratterall, Lewis Thorpe, Randy Dobnik came out of nowhere and started a playoff game. Devin Smeltzer, uh, Zach Littell has made strides. I mean, you can point to examples of, wow, they're really uh, building out this depth that is is kind of surprisingly good, I would say. But at the same time, sure. like I, I started by saying, Scherzers don't grow on trees, and I, I think that to be true. Um, one quick point since you brought up the trade deadline you know, the one thing that kind of bugged me about the way they handled that was sort of the way they they handled the media with that. And I'm being sort of careful here because I'm a member of the media and the other members of Twins Media are my friends and colleagues. So this is not to cast aspersion anywhere, but like it just sounds kind of whiny if you miss out on Marcus Stroman and then through us tell your fans that, well— if it if this could have played out differently, we would have liked to see it. We think we could have topped the offer, and we never got a call back. And it's like, if that's the twins floating that, I I don't think that's the right move. I I, I just wouldn't have said that. Uh, I think it makes them look really bad, or at least I don't know, ill-equipped in some of these negotiations. Like, why didn't they call you back? Isn't that kind of on you? Don't you have personal relationships over there? And wouldn't you have made a compelling enough offer? the first go to make them want to call you back. So I don't know. I, that, 
that one kind of bothered me. Um, and the, the Marcus Stroman domino, just to ramble. Um, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but I have had two cups of coffee today, Jake. Uh, oh, wow. The, I know. I know. Here we are. The Marcus Stroman domino is exactly the same to me from an economics perspective as the Madison Bumgarner domino is this winter. And what I mean by that is Stroman gets traded from a team that everyone kind of thought was selling to a team that none of us, on the outside anyways, thought was buying. So it, it screws with the economics of it. The And I wrote about yep. this in my uh, Josh Donaldson column for Score North today. Like, it's taking away some of the supply without, I mean, technically, theoretically, changing the demand. Every team that came into the trade deadline saying they needed or wanted a starter still needed or wanted a starter after one of those guys goes off the board. I'd say the same exact thing is true for Madison Bumgarner that we didn't exactly think that the Diamondbacks were buyers, and now they bought one of the pieces of supply on the market. What does that do to the remaining supply to those teams that still have a demand for it? The Angels, the Dodgers, the Twins, the Brewers. Like, keep going down that list. I'm kind of curious to what uh, Mad Bum will do to the price tag of of Ryu, of Keiko, of those guys, and then with the ripple effect into the trade market. I think both of those, <laughs> they're two different moves and, and uh, different uh, incentives and everything like that, but both of them kind of hosed the Twins, if you ask me. For sure, and the Stroman thing was so weird, and, and I totally agree with you that the excuse that they made, I mean, that sounds like something I would have said like in high school, right? Like, oh, she didn't she didn't call me back, and believe me, I have said those words many, many times <laughs> in my life. But, like, that's not a legitimate excuse. Like, you, you obviously tell the Blue Jays, before you finalize any deal, come back to us, uh, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we'll consider upping our offer. I mean, what, however you want to negotiate it, just saying they, don't, they didn't call us back, like, that's, that's lame. You ever that's done that in fantasy baseball, Jake? Uh, just this will say a lot about both of our – uh, respective dating lives and the girls that didn't call us back. But in fantasy baseball, what do you always say if there's a guy you can't miss on? Hey, before you trade this guy, bring it to me. I want the chance to top any offer. And if it's an owner in your league that you have a rapport with that you trust, you usually get that call or that text, right? Before I don't play anymore, but that you're like, hey, give me a shot here, right? Right, exactly. I mean, it's kind of negotiating 101 or trades 101 or however you want to frame it. So, yeah, that was – they botched they botched the trade deadline with, with Stroman, in my opinion. It's, it's fa- one of the rare missteps that, yeah. that they've made. Like, it's fascinating. And, they did actually make their team better, and yet they didn't do the, the one thing they, you know, they probably should have wanted to do. I get that you made your whole staff better top to bottom, and I, and I get the Pineda kind of, you know, put the screws to you, and you couldn't have necessarily – foreseen that or that you know buxton getting hurt and having shoulder surgery i i get it there there are some legitimate excuses for why it didn't go the way you wanted it to go but then i also hear the cries of twins fans who like have a fair case right now that uh there was maybe more should have been done as the window was flung wide open in the summer of 2019 yeah and and just real quick on the, on the pineda thing and this is complete speculation but he knew about that. He knew he tested positive in, in late June, I believe. And from what I read, he told, like, Nelson Cruz and, and maybe a couple other members of that clubhouse uh, that he had tested positive. 
can you confirm that that's correct? I was not a part of that conversation, but I do know there were members of the organization that knew uh, well before that uh, the final announcement came out that his suspension had been reduced, but ultimately he's still going to sit 60 games. Yes, I guess my question is is whether they knew about the suspension prior to the deadline. Because if they did know about it, then that would be even worse, right, that they didn't acquire a starter, knowing that they wouldn't have Pineda for the for the postseason. Again, that's total speculation. I have no idea whether they knew or not. Hmm. But if they did know, it would be even more of a, uh, a screw-up. Yeah, it's interesting. Frankly. I guess just to play devil's advocate for the sake of it on this show, I do wonder if uh, if you'd know for sure that he's going to get popped or if you thought, hey, this this appeals process, you know, He's got a legit chance here because uh, we believe the story. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to sit here and say, like, I was a fly on the wall for all those conversations and I'm reporting this. I'm just saying there's um, a lot of times what we hear is, like, 9% of the story, you know? Yeah, for, yeah, no, that's it for sure. We have no idea. But regardless, they didn't get it done at the trade deadline, uh, and they haven't gotten it done so far uh, in free agency, and, and you're right with, like, Mad Bum. I mean, Mad Bum clearly just willed his way to Arizona. Like, that's where he wanted to be. His horses are there, which I know you've talked a lot about. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as much as a, a horse stable in, in Maplewood uh, could be built, <laughs> probably probably wouldn't quite have the same effect as, uh, as Phoenix. I would have named it after him. <laughs> It would have been great, man. I, I would have I would have gone and visited for sure. I like horses. That would have been cool. Oh, uh, nice. Um, well, but yeah. So alas, I don't know. I don't know what effect that will have. Um, it, it, like you said, it takes one more piece off the board, and uh, they're running out of options in free agency. That's yeah, man. For sure. I mean, it's it's like you know, there's Donaldson on the position player side, and and Ryu and Keiko, and I don't know how much of an upgrade Keiko would even be, and uh, so I. I in your view, do you see them? Do you see the most likely avenue as uh, them making a big trade? Well, if Ryu would agree to come to Minnesota, I still think that's an appealing option. Um, if you do find a way to shore up your infield defense, I'd be more on board with Keuchel. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I would say if you're playing the probabilities, trade trade's probably it. Do you have a name, Jake, or or five that uh, you would want? As the target, I know you wrote a column about uh, some wild and crazy trades that you sort of made up in your brain um, for yeah. the Twins. But like, so, just to give some people a gauge uh, of where your head is at with some of the impact pitching that they could or should target in trades this winter. Yeah. So we talked before the show about how we weren't going to bring up this column, and now <laughs> I'm, we're bringing it up, and that's here we are. Um, yeah. So. There are a few names. I, I mean, I, I still think Syndergaard, because he has two years of control left and the Mets don't seem inclined to give him an extension, and they now have signed two starters and have six starters for five spots. That's interesting. I think that he would, he would be the big fish, um, and it would cost a lot, probably more than what I said in that column, which was Sano and Rosario. You might also have to give up uh, a top-ten prospect, but I would absolutely do that. Uh, for him. Uh, Matthew Boyd is another name. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is one of a group of Marlins starters who are intriguing and under team control. Uh, and then one that I that I would definitely like to talk about is David Price, because David Price is, is, that would technically be a trade, but really that's more like a free agent acquisition 
because the Red Sox just want to get rid of his payroll. Hmm. And so the Twins essentially have to ask themselves, how much would we sign David Price for on the open market, knowing that he had injuries? Last yeah. Year. So, so I don't how, know where you where you want to start, or if you want to talk about other names, but no, I mean we can save all those names for another show because you do live in and around the Boston area, and you are hip to Boston uh, sports media and uh, all of that great stuff. So I want to talk about David Price with you, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. What would you? And I don't have right in front of me here. I'd just be going from memory, and I don't trust my memory. What David Price has left on his contract, but what would you? take on in terms of salary before that starts to look like an appealing deal. You know, he signed what was then at the time a record $217 million contract. What would you be willing to take on if you're the Twins? So he has three years and $96 million left. And the Red Sox, the story's coming out of Boston, the Red Sox have made clear that they're not, as much as they'd like to, I don't think they see it as realistic that they'd move that entire contract. I think they're looking to move you know, maybe 60 or 70 million, right? And and maybe they get a mid-level prospect in return, or I don't know. I don't know exactly how it would work. But, like, let's say they're looking to move two-thirds of that deal. I think if I was the twin, if I were the Twins, I would sign David Price right now as a free agent to a three-year, $65 million deal. That seems like a very fair price to me for a pitcher who – uh, was one of the best pitchers in the game up until 2019 uh, and had his 2019 ruined by injuries. But, you know, 2018, he had an ERA of like three and a half and was uh, amazing in the playoffs. Uh, you know, started four or five games in the playoffs for the Red Sox and was should have been the World Series MVP. And uh, so I would sign him for that amount of money. Like, that's worth the risk to me. Uh, if it doesn't pan out, it's, it, it doesn't help things, but it doesn't completely kill your payroll uh, if you've, you know, dished out a three-year, $60 million contract to a guy who's hurt. Um, so that's a risk worth taking to me. Would I take on all of the $96 million? No. But I would take on a significant chunk uh, because the upside is still, you know, number one starter David Price, at least for, you know, maybe another year or two. I, I, do you disagree? Or, I mean, like, what would you pay Price? I just, I guess I want to know how healthy he's going to be, which you can't know, right. so you're just guessing. Um right. But gosh, yeah, if they'd eat $10 million a year. And say this, too, they actually match up pretty well. I was thinking about this as you were you were talking through Price and, and what he's been up till now. Um, and 2019, correct me if I'm wrong, It was we're blaming mostly injuries, right? For I know he's in his mid-30s, but if, if he was healthy, we're thinking better numbers than what he posted this year. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was, I don't know how many cents on the IL he had, but he was never healthy. Yeah. He had wrist issues. He had a cyst, I think, removed. Um, his numbers still weren't terrible, but okay. uh, yeah, it was, it was health. So I say they actually match up pretty well in terms of what they're looking to do. Whereas the Red Sox, if they want to get as far away from the luxury tax as they can in 20. And then they've got bets coming off the books, and he'll probably make what is he going to make twenty five, thirty million this year in in arbitration, yep. Um, yep. provided they don't trade him too. Which uh, Red Sox, I'm interested. Um, but I would say you can eat a significant chunk of the cash um, outlay this season because you are so far under what I would perceive your your cash ceiling to be that you can take on a lot of that money now. 
Sort of like what the Diamondbacks did with Bumgarner, where you're like, hey, you're going to be $6 million this year, and don't worry, as soon as Yasmani Tomas comes off the books and we're done paying the Astros for the, the pleasure of taking Zach Granke, uh, then we'll have some more money to pay Mad Bum into the future. And it's, I mean, I don't think that's the right risk for them to take, but that's the risk they're taking. And you could do something similar with Price and say, hey, we'll help you get way under this year for whether it's luxury tax purposes or whatever the heck that uh, the Red Sox owners want to save some money this year instead of being good, I'm happy to oblige them in that and say, I'll take a lot of that this year. Let's uh, be a little bit less burdensome next year. And then if we can structure it this way, the third year of that deal is not, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to cave in the walls if if this experiment doesn't work. Because let's be honest about it, Jake. Great pitcher, first round pick, some great memories with the Rays and uh, more recently, the Red Sox, there were even some memories with the Blue Jays. But like that's still a bit of an experiment where you're saying, hey, I hope we can get this guy back to being David Price in all caps. Yep, it, it is. So uh, to me, he's basically the equivalent of, of Ryu, right? A really good pitcher when he's healthy, who's had injury issues, who's in his mid-30s, and is, uh, is going to cost you somewhere in the 60 to $90 million range. And so... I don't know. Who would you rather have? Assuming both are, you know, an injury risk, but both are presumed healthy going into the season, who would you rather have uh, between the two? David Price for, say, three years, $70 million, or Ryu for four years, you know, $85 million? Wow. Uh, I, the fact that I have to sit and think about this and run some numbers and stuff, I think you just gave me a weekend column, Jake. Oh, wow. I mean, wow. it's a great it's a great question. Like, if it's just salary relief, assuming you're not giving up, you know, if you call me and you say David Price and Alex Kirilov's name in the same sentence, I'll hang up the phone. But if it's just, hey, we, we just would like to move this contract on. Let's make the rest of the deal work. What can we do here? We'll work with you. I mean, that's a pretty fascinating proposition to me. If I'm the twins, I'm uh, I'm leaning in and I'm turning on my text alerts. I, I completely agree, and, and I don't think – I really don't think the Red Sox are looking for a top prospect back. I think they are desperate to get under the payroll. And honestly, and I could be totally wrong about this, but it sort of looks like they're doing a one-year re- reboot and kind of punting on 2020. I mean, they signed old friend Martin Perez yeah. to a $6 million deal. He's going to be one of their rotation mainstays. Like, I just I, – I think they brought in Bloom to basically say, look – we're spending way too much money, and we're looking for you to, to rebuild this thing over the next couple of years. Uh, it, because they are not acting. I mean, have you seen them rumored for any of these top free agents? Right. Like, they're, they're not acting like the Red Sox, uh, you know, of the last few years. They're sure. acting like a team that, that is looking to rebuild. So I think they just want to get that contract off the books. All right. Well, uh, make the call, Twins. That would be a fun one. Definitely interesting from my perspective. Um Hey, Jake, we just spent, I, I don't know, 30-some-odd minutes uh, recklessly speculating about things that could but might not ever happen. The Twins actually did something today that hey, we should— uh, that. I know. About, it's uh, it's like the warm stove. It's like after you've turned the stove off and you're doing the dishes, but you walk by and there's still some like radiant heat going on, 
um, which is probably too disrespectful for the caliber of pitchers that they added to their organization. But I liked the metaphor, so I went with it. Um, Sergio Romo is back, and Tyler Clippard, who we're sort of familiar with here in the state with the likes, uh, has agreed to a deal with the Twins, too. What can you tell me about uh, Tyler Clippard, and you think it's a good move for the Twins' bullpen, given the other pieces that they've got coming back for 2020? I, I do think it's a good move. And, and by the way, just real quick from a, from a media perspective, it's interesting that nobody – that was not leaked at all. Like, they did the physical and everything. The Twins announced that signing. Rarely yeah. do you see a team officially announce a signing before anybody in the media leaks it. So I thought that dynamic was interesting, but I'm a media nerd, so probably nobody <laughs> cares. Um, but as far as Clifford is an actual player, I mean, he had a really good year. Uh, in 2019 with the Indians. He had an ERA under three. Uh, I think it was, let me look here, it was Uh, 2.90. He had good strikeout rate, uh, low walk rate. Uh, He didn't give up. I mean, his home run rate was relatively high, 1.2, but it was actually lower than his previous three seasons, uh, even with the juice ball. So, I mean, he was a really effective pitcher, really effective reliever, whip under one. Um, so I, I like it for 2.75 million. Heck yeah. Like, you know, it, worst case scenario, he gets injured or he's not the, the player they thought he would be and you cut bait and, it, you know, mm. you don't cost yourself much. So when you look at their bullpen now with Clifford yeah. added, it looks pretty good. I was just going to really say, like, finish this sentence for me if you would. Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Hi. Trevor May, yep. Zach Littell. Sergio Romo, Tyler Clippard. Yep, and then and then you've got Matt Whistler, right? Sure. The 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 big the big free agent signing mm. uh, that they made uh, last month that everybody was extremely excited about. Um, but Whistler's actually interesting if you look at his numbers. His strikeout rates are huge. Yeah, they um, jumped. Yeah. So so you've got Whistler. Uh, and then they signed a guy, uh, Daniel, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, maybe Cologne. Oh, yeah, the lefty. Yeah, yeah, and he spent all of last year in AAA, but um, he actually had pretty good numbers for Oakland uh, in 2016, 17, and 18. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team as, as the second lefty out of the pen. Um, but their bullpen, man, I, I you know, I, I don't think it's a super pen. It's not the Yankees. But if Duffy and May can repeat what they did, last year and and rogers uh continues to be one of the best relievers in the game it's looking like a pretty good pen hmm. I, I i don't know i mean do you disagree no um i saw the blake training contract that the dodgers handed out one year 10 million for a guy who was bad last year and it kind of made me curious or interested in the possibility of giving like seven, eight, nine million bucks to a guy like Dallin Batansis. Now I wonder, would you even have room for him if you tried to sign him tomorrow? Yeah. Well, I think you make room for Dallin Batansis. Yeah, if he's healthy. If, if, yes. And I'm with you that he's a super intriguing arm. Um, but I would guess that, that they're going to stand pat with the bullpen at this point because they have so many arms in AAA, too. I mean, whoever loses out on the Dodnick, Smelter, uh, Thorpe, uh, comp- competition for the fifth spot will probably be in the pen. Alcala, I assume, is going to be a reliever, and I don't know what they're going to do with Gratterall. I mm. guess that he moves back to starter. Um, but if they decide to keep him as a reliever, he would obviously be in the mix. Um, R- Fernando Romero, I think they should move him back to being a starter as well, but if not, he'd be in the mix. So 
there are lots of arms there uh, that they can rotate in and out. And, and the Clippers signing was a, an under-the-radar move. It's not going to wow fans, um, but I do think that he'll contribute and, and be a useful part of that pen. And it's certainly a lot better than what they did last year, you know, uh, bringing in guys like Blake Parker, nothing against him, but, you know, that signing didn't work out at all. Hmm. So I, I like where the, the pen is at, but do you agree with me that, that if they don't get a pitcher who's at least, you know, as good as Jose Barrios by opening day, that, that that's a rippable kind of lack of uh, significant movement from them? Yeah, and it depends what those other guys do. I mean, if if Ryu gets uh, six years and uh, two hundred seventeen million dollars, I'll be like, oh, okay, well, the one got away. Uh, and then maybe you would have upped your offer for Zach Wheeler or something like that. But um, short of something crazy that I don't foresee, yeah, I would expect them to do something going into the year. I do think that this team is good enough to contend for a central division right now. But I I think based on conversations I've had behind the scenes over the last two years, I don't think I don't think the Twins should be thinking about this, and I don't think they are thinking about this of what I per, <clears throat> excuse me what I perceived the Indians to think last year, which was let's try and be good enough to beat the Twins and and hold them off, but let's not let's not go for it, go for it. I don't think that's the way the Twins should be thinking about this. I. I think it would be a bit of a mistake to say, well, yep, we know we're going to get some criticism from the outside, but Zach Littell is better than you guys think, and uh, we trust Jose Brios to take another step and, and grad a roll to fill in while Pineda suspended. Like, all that stuff is fine. I wouldn't even fight you if you said that to me. Uh, if you if you DM'd me on your burner account, Thad, and said that, I'd be like, all right, I I feel you, but also... Are you sure you're better than the Indians? Like, if they keep Lindor and if they keep Clevenger, uh, Jose Ramirez is back to being Jose Ramirez. Are, are you sure you're going to win the Central this year to the point where we can even be talking about the Yankees in the playoffs? I, I just wouldn't be so confident about that right now. Uh, yep, I agree with you completely. So, all right, so I'm going to have you put on your GM hat, which is essentially what, what we do on these podcasts mm-hmm. anyways. But... Uh, if you could make one trade that you feel like is reasonable for both teams to acquire an impact starter, what's the move in your view? Oh boy. I know that's a tough one. Um, in general, instead of giving you names, I'm going to give you platitudes. Um, but unlike, uh, general managers who work in the game, I'm legally and ethically allowed to, talk about players that I would uh, make them pick up their life and go somewhere else um, right? because it's not my choice. I would not trade Alex Kirilov, and I probably would not trade Royce Lewis. I don't think I would want to trade Jordan B. And after that, good luck to everybody um, because if the pitcher coming back is uh, is nice enough and going to be around for long enough – um, I'm I'm thinking about your future here, kid. So I don't know who that guy is. And look, I, Jacob Degrom, if he's available, I want him. But the, the, he's probably not available. And I look at a lot of teams around that are like just sort of good enough that they could be a playoff team. That I wouldn't expect them to be trading guys like that. Um, Arizona would be sort of in the fringe mix. Like I don't I don't think they're gonna be 
making noise in that division, but you never know. And maybe they are, and now they've got a six-man staff, or or somebody gets hurt in spring, and they're not looking to trade anybody. But I mean, some of the names that I've thought about in the past are uh, Herman Marquez, Colorado, and uh, his rotation mate John Gray. Matthew Boyd has been uh, sort of the one that I've been beating the drum for for a while now. Um, you mentioned Syndergaard off the top. Um, you also mentioned uh, who's the Marlins pitcher you wanted, Jake? Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara. I kind of like their guy. It was floated in trade rumors at this uh, winter meetings. Um, now, this isn't a top-of-the-rotation arm, so don't at me. But uh, Eliezer Hernandez, however you say that, I'm sorry to Mr. Yeah. Hernandez that I'm, I'm butchering your first name. Um He's like a five-year-a guy and doesn't have the big fastball. But if you start to dig, like there are some things to like about him as a as a possible rotation mate. And of course, that's not costing you an Alex Kirla, or it, it shouldn't anyway. Um, so I don't know, man. I would I would uh, definitely be targeting pitching in a trade if I can't get one of these uh, big boys done. And if you're thinking about Josh Donaldson. Uh, Go for the moon. You should be thinking about Chris Bryant and thinking about Nolan Arenado and Francisco Lindor and, and Mookie Betts. Like, I'm not willing to close the door on this offseason being the offseason that you get, quote-unquote, your guy, the guy, your move. Uh, I I think that uh, you should keep all those avenues open, and uh, here ends my GM speak. That, that was that was very well done. Uh, <laughs> you and Levine should hold a, a joint presser. You guys would be great. Do I get uh, nameplate uh, in, on a trifold piece of paper sat in front of me in the microphone? <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, but in your but in your view, just based on everything you know and your behind the scenes uh, conversations, etc., you feel like there will be a significant addition before spring training in terms of adding a starter. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I think so, but I, I'm not going to guarantee it. I think, um, August 1st, there'll be a a starter that you like in there, but my, my hunch is my inclination is there will be a big add to the roster before spring training starts. But like, if you were asking me to bet the mortgage that I can barely afford as it is on, uh, on that outcome, I wouldn't be comfortable gambling with, uh, with my house. It's an important a, piece of infrastructure for me. It, right. No, that's a perfectly uh, perfectly reasonable take. Let me just ask you real quick because I know we're going pretty long here, but I really like Boyd as well. Uh, a lot of people were down on him uh, just in that column I posted. A lot of people didn't understand why Boyd was so interesting. What What is it specifically that you like about him? Because his ERA last year was like four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. He's a big lefty with some swing and miss stuff, and I think that if I'm the Twins, I, I trust myself, and I'm cocky enough to believe that I can get more out of him. Um, I'm in the business of looking for arm talent and trying to help it thrive, and I think he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, similar to a Syndergaard, let's be honest about it, Syndergaard didn't have good numbers last year, but no. we see like, we see him differently. We're like, yeah, but that's Thor. It's like, yeah, cool i mean for sure there's a there's a pitcher in there i believe it i I think that of of uh boyd as well but then again i'm the guy who was uh who was uh i don't know defending is maybe the wrong word but i was saying hey there's a pitcher in there for kyle gibson for like two years before he just uh hit the skids in 2019 and now he's a texas ranger so maybe what do i know i i just see maybe i just see pitchers in everybody (laughs) <laughs> well, just... you know who agrees with you, 
Uh, who's that? John Daniels. That uh, he sees a picture in Kyle Gibson? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You think he made a phone yeah. call to Thad? I, I think he made uh, – I, I, I'm not reporting this, but my speculation is he made a phone call to you. <laughs> John. Uh, he, I, I'm sure I'm sure GMs around the league are, you know, read your stuff, just like I'm sure they, they read mine and everyone else at Score North. And uh, my guess is that he had a long file of your articles praising <laughs> Gibson, and, and that probably <laughs> – you know, made a, a significant uh, impact on, well, on his decision to, to give Gibby three for 30. Then you're welcome, John Daniels. You're welcome, Kyle Gibson. You're welcome, Kyle Gibson's agent. And uh, burner GM accounts out there, if you just want to leave a five-star Apple review, that's uh, that's all the thanks we need. And, 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 yes, and by the way, Kyle Gibson, I don't know if you knew this. No. Great guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we spent only like 17 minutes of our last pod together, Jake, two weeks ago. If people want to go listen to fawning praise for Kyle Gibson and uh, calling out ourselves in the Minnesota media for for constantly, as soon as a guy leaves town, great guy, great guy. Uh, and and I, tradition. I, I do love the image of like us bending over backwards to talk about how great a guy he is and make sure you know that we're not hurting his feelings meanwhile he's on his way to the bank to cash a 30 million dollar check yeah and, right. and we're acting like he cares yeah you know, if, it, <laughs> if we think he's a good guy yeah <laughs> that's right well actually i see what you're saying but i'll uh i'll counter your cynicism on that one like kyle might actually care if we think he's a great guy so that's true uh, not not too many made like him but uh yeah anyway i saw a picture in kyle gibson if he would just harness his stuff to the best of his ability, he did that for a stretch in uh, late seventeen, early eighteen, and uh, nineteen did not go to plan. So, um, take arm talent, take a chance, and make it work. That's that's your job. If you're Derek Falvey, it's your job to make that work. Matthew yeah, Boyd no, is who I'm you, talking about, not Kyle Gibson. Yes, but you did call it on Gibson because I, I and many others were down on him, and and you saw a picture in there, and, and he did prove you right. Um, but just real quick, who yeah, man. is there an arm in the system right now that you see kind of similarly to Gibson, who, you know, someone who maybe isn't performing at their peak capabilities, but you feel like there's more in there? Well, for a long time I said Trevor May, but does that even count anymore? Yeah, probably not. Uh, he he really you called that one too. He he turned it on in the second half. You can't call a guy a dark horse if he's like a possible setup man in in pencil before the season starts. Um, Tyler Duffy, right. I did not see developing into that kind of pitcher, but as soon as I saw, he came back up to the big leagues this year and he threw like 95 at some guy's eyes. And I was like, hold on, what? I said, is, yeah. that's not the same Tyler Duffy. And if it is, you got a pitcher on your hands. And then uh, it took a little while. There's some stops and some starts, but go back and look at Tyler Duffy's numbers from August 1st to the end of the year. Uh, he was oh, fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, Absolutely. no, I don't have a good one for you. I, I gave up all my dark horses last summer, but uh, I'll see if I can get down to Fort Myers this year and uh, go watch some side bullpens and see if I can pull a name out of a hat for you after watching 15 pitches, 10 fastballs, and five sliders. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And the key, <laughs> the key in that sense is just going down to Fort Myers. Yes. Because that sounds awfully nice right now. Need to make that happen. Uh, travel agents, give us a call. Happy holidays to you, sir, and thanks for coming on the Score North AL Central Champs, hoping to defend, but got to do something soon, Twin Show. <laughs> All right, sounds good. We'll talk soon. Talk to you later, Jake. All right, bye.